From the 809 Restaurant and Lounge in the heart of Inwood, New York City, welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air, where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home in what we affectionately call Upstate Manhattan. I'm Aaron Sims. I'm Jonathan Bell. And this is Live and Local. It's our podcast dedicated to showcasing the musicians of Upper Manhattan. We talk to them about what they do, and best of all, listen to them to perform their work live in one of our favorite local, you know, local uptown venues here at 809. Uh, so who is joining us today, Jonathan? Aaron, today we welcome trombonist and composer Daniel Linden. After receiving a MM from New England Conservatory in trombone performance, Danielle toured the U.S., Europe, and Asia with orchestras, opera companies, and rock bands. He has played regularly on Broadway and off-Broadway, most recently in The Fiddler on the Roof, in Yiddish, off-Broadway, and has made many recordings in classical jazz and pop world genres. He has performed on Fox News, CBS, MSNBC, and The Artie Lang Show. He has played numerous festivals, including the Montreal Jazz Festival, Lincoln Center, Out of Doors, and Bang on a Can Marathon. Active in world music and jazz, Daniel has worked with Dan uh, David Byrne, Slavic Soul Party, Asphalt Orchestra, the Ed Palermo Big Band, the Gregorio Uribe Big Band, and Frank London's Klezmer Brass All-Stars. Daniel has taught tram, uh, trombone excuse me, at Brandeis University and is a teaching artist for Carnegie Hall. Today, though, he has traded in his trombone for a guitar and will be sharing some of his original compositions with us on Live and Local. Well, I can't wait. Without further ado, Daniel Linden. Like we all went in for surgery And we're waiting in the room with all the bright fluorescent lights We don't know if you'll get called or me We're not sure how much good it did to confess last night The man who came the night before Has no idea what they have in store He's sure it's rigged, he can't be pegged Won't let them make him foolish anymore In the waiting room In the waiting room I've been thinking about the summer In the waiting room I bumped into you At least I think I recognized you Walking endlessly To catch my breath You're like a thief Stealing air that's fresh Distill a drawing into shape Call connection before it fades 
in the waiting room in the waiting room I've been thinking about the summer in the waiting room yeah I bumped into you I think I recognized you Guess I'll see you in the summer Alright, that was a brand new song And this is an older song about drinking in bars when you can drink in a bar. <sighs> I got three red eyes that burn so hard. And a life. Locked up down in a basement. Now, freaks, no matter where you are, I understand how you deal with frustration. Well, there you are. Three drinks later, time froze And now I see Where I've gone astray I'll fix it later today I say as I inspect my empty glass And I know somehow Nothing can save me Except the war on words which can never be won And the slightly disturbing dream of American music Well there you are Drinks later, time froze And now I see Where I've gone astray I'll fix it later today Well there you are Three drinks later, time froze And now I see where I've gone astray. I'll fix it later today. Well, that was awesome. Thank you so much, Daniel. How have you been? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, guys. This is really great. 
Well, what else are you going to do in the middle of pandemic? But go find a place to play live for four people. Uh, <laughs> that's the our, most people uh, you're going to get right now. You know, this <laughs> is true. We are we are in, we are in compliance, and uh, yes. to say our crew gave him a round of applause. It's just been so wonderful to hear uh, live music and and great live music at that. Um, so, could you tell us, please, what you just played for us? Sure. So I played um, "See You Then," which is uh, just a brand new song. Um, because I've been doing a lot of electronic music lately. Um, and then when we spoke, I was like, man, I got to write a new song because I've done a lot of acoustic stuff. Over the- <laughs> I, I didn't know I put that kind of pressure on you by inviting you on no, the show. No, no, no. Because I have all these um, songs that are uh, maybe a year or more old. And I just kind of wanted to do something, you know, right now, something I could connect to. So I got one of those and then one of my favorite older songs. Um, and that was called uh, Three Drinks Later. And uh, See You Then is pretty much about the time we live in today. And Three Drinks Later was written, you know, basically like thinking about it at a bar um, and kind of getting melancholy at a bar at a time when you could go into bars, which I really like to do, you know. So wait a minute. The waiting room yes. thing that kept coming back, was that a, was that, was that a refrain or not? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess it's... You know, I'm so self-absorbed here. The wait, as soon as he see, said the waiting room, of course, I had flashbacks to um, my my wife's birth. Well, not sure. her birth, the birth of <laughs> our son. You're not that much older than her, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> but this, just to be clear, this did not have anything to do with delivery, child delivery, or or could it have some sort of is Maybe. it interpretively okay sure. to have taken it that way? I love that you say that because, um, first of all, it's a positive connotation. Right. Um, my uh, wife actually gave birth to our third um, baby boy earlier. Number this three? Year. Number three. Congratulations. Oh, my God. I still don't realize that I'm the kind of, you know, I'm that person who has three little boys, but, um, but they're amazing little guys. And so I've, I've been in the waiting room a little bit. Um, <laughs> so, so maybe subconsciously it was already you, you've been there for a long time. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's one of the few places I've been indoors on a regular basis outside of my home mm-hmm. recently. Um, but I like that though, and it gives it a more, um, I mean, posi- so what, yeah, like I said, positive connotation. Mm-hmm. So sorry to interrupt. Please was the um, I, I was trying to catch as much of the word of the words as I could. Right. Um, is it a Zoom waiting room? Like, it could be a lot of things. Like, what? what? I'm was... thinking, yeah, I was thinking about just in my mind when I was writing it, like a hospital waiting room okay. where everybody is just kind of not where they want to be right now. You know, you're kind of, it's been, you've been sitting there for five hours or something. And, okay. um, and that kind of feels like to an extent where we are, you know, you could make something of that time. Mm-hmm. somehow and you could do something i mean you're kind of a prisoner of your own mind for good and for bad um mm. and so uh so sometimes you know you're in the boring place you're in traffic or something and maybe you're you know doing something really creative in your own mind you know you're writing a song in your head or you're reading a book that's just unbelievable and like getting into that place inside of yourself in the context of something that's really rigid and and boring and and um mm-hmm. i just think of those bright for less you know like i wrote in the in the song right, right? fluorescent lights um right. it's kind of intense and um without a sense of art to them you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. but um i don't know just yeah just kind of imagery that came up in during this time so so, so um 
along because I want to get a little bit at some point into your expertise uh, on the trombone, but could you um, tell us a little bit about um, just uh, songwriting in general? How how um, also your guitar playing? Mm -hmm. When sure. did when did that start? Sure. And um, how long have you been writing original songs mm -hmm. um, at the same time yeah. as practicing? with the rigor that you need to to play some of the repertoire that clearly you've played. On yeah, the totally. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Um, I think it's just always been a balance. It's almost been like my off time, but it's become a part of my career. Um, so I started playing trombone around 10, but I started playing guitar at around 13. Mm -hmm. I got really into bands um, like Sonic Youth, Dinosaur Jr., um, um, pavements, these kind of um, uh, experimental, noisy rock bands. Um, mm -hmm. and, and then I just got deeper and, and then I got into R&B and soul music and things. And so I'm listening to that at the same time I'm playing, um, you know, uh, orchestral rep and practicing trombone and getting ready for auditions and stuff like that. Um, and so I always had like the, the legit head almost. I hate to use that phrase, but like, you know, I know about music theory, reading all these clefts, sight read, all this stuff and, sure. and be ready for the gig. And then kind of my rock and roll brain um, and on guitar, because I, I kind of learned to play from listening to records I enjoyed, which are not traditional, like, um, you know, it's not, it's, it's just more rock and roll, you know, right, right, um, right. it's less trained. And then um, things kind of began as I learned more about what I was doing on the guitar almost from my classical brain. I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm doing that. On the, I like this for the song, the modulation here works, right. you know? And so I'm kind of combining things and started writing songs in college. I would play out in, um, in Boston, in Cambridge, in the sure. kind of club scene area occasionally. And then, um, so I mean, if you, you know, I'll just keep, keep going into what I'm doing today. Um, when I first got to New York, I was just playing sessions on trombone, you know? So I went to this great session, uh, Emil Charlap. He's like this, I don't know if you know him, he's like this legendary, from what I understand, um, an, uh, a contractor for movies from like the past 30, 40 years. And he would have this weekly session in Times Square where they'd read, they'd sight read um, jazz and orchestral arrangements. And uh, Lou Soloff would come by, like wow. all these killing players from Broadway and stuff. And this right. wonderful guy who's in town who I met there, uh, Charlie Gordon, who's just a great Broadway trombonist. I met him there and he's been really sweet to me. But I went there, somebody called me for that. And I met John Carlson, who's the trumpet player in Slavic Soul Party. Okay. He's a fantastic player. And he, I, 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 in Boston, was playing some Balkan music and some klezmer music. And so he said to me, hey, come by, sit in with Slavic Soul Party. And so I did, and then they started hiring me. They were on the roster for Carnegie Hall um, for this um, um, outreach uh, or community events kind of uh, wing, the, um, mm -hmm. uh, uh, what is it? My mind is blanking now. But basically I played some work, some concerts with them, one on a tour with them in Maine and met the head of the Lullaby Project for Carnegie Hall, who was also organizing some of these concerts, they needed a trombone for the lullaby project. And then I came in with a trombone and guitar and sing and singing. And they've, that was like six years ago. And okay. they've had me on the roster ever since. And wow. it's just this funny kind of combination of trombone and guitar that in, in all these things. So, so I've been writing pop songs with lullaby up until like last week, I think we did a session. Okay. And, uh, and then also, you know, 
playing trombone and and I assume it. you have a follow through on the lullaby. Well, I was going to say yeah. it's like it's it you, uh, Jonathan. I think you channeled it because I mean all, the lullaby project is it not about you're writing with mothers to be expectant mm -hmm. mothers and, and, and people who to to do <laughs> not yeah. who have that you know. <laughs> And so you see what's great. See what I did there? Uh, I didn't really, even think of that. Even now, that's, I like how you. Can, I don't know why. It's my job to see the whole picture, Getting folks. Um, but uh, seriously, though, it's like, can you tell a little bit of our <clears throat> listeners about um, the project and the experience of composing with expecting and new mothers? Because mm -hmm. we're I'm I'm expecting that they're not musicians. Yeah, exactly. And we always everybody right. always says to us, um, "I don't write songs." You know, um, I'm not a songwriter. I can't do this. And uh, what the way it works is t usually two lullaby artists are assigned to a site. And those are different sites. Um, for a long time, I've been, I've been working with uh, Sienna House Shelter in the Bronx, but I've worked at Jacoby Medical Center in the Bronx and various other places, detention facilities and things. Oh. Um, but uh, they'll say that. And then we'll, s and we have a, basically a book of prompts that says, that asks them questions to get words down on paper. That's all we need, words down on paper. So it'll say, what are some names that you have for your child? What are experiences that you enjoy, that you've done with your child? What are hopes and dreams you have for your child? And so they'll write this down, and then we'll say, well, how do you want the lullaby to sound? Do you want it to be fast, energetic, slow, soothing? And, and sometimes they'll hum a little melody. We'll say, can you say the words in rhythm? Mm -hmm. You know, we'll ask if you could sing it, but if they can't, we'll just say, say the words kind of the tempo you would want. Then we start playing with stuff and say, how about this melody? You know, and we'll kind of add things. We don't want to jump in. We want them to write as much as possible. Right. And so before you know it, you have a refrain. Yeah. And then once you have the refrain, they're usually in. They're like, oh man, that's fantastic. You know, right, right, right. it just could be a few words. They think right. it's gotta be a whole thing. And then we take some of the other words and put the craft the verse. So that's the kind of the experience. Like wow. we say, everybody can write a song with this, like, don't worry about it. We're going to do something for you. You know, like that you're, it's going to be yours. You know, it's going to be your words and your, you know, so that's kind of how it is. And you kind of have to be very sensitive with it. Um, when you say we, can you give us a picture? I mean, how many, sure. how many, how many people, mm -hmm. what are the instruments and you're with this mom? Yeah. Like, and is there a leader who's kind of, or is it really like kind of an egalitarian process? Like? I would say it's egalitarian. Um, it's changed over the years, but for the past three years, I think it's been an in-residence model, which means we come to the same site every, either every week or every couple of weeks or something. And um, we meet with some people. And um, so this year I'm working with this wonderful singer, a vocalist um, named Jeanette Berry, and she's just fantastic. It's been gr one of the, you know, one of the nice things in this world that we have is we've been forced to work remotely, which is very, which is less connection, but we're using something called Soundtrap, which is basically like uh, um, like a Logic or or um, GarageBand, but you could share files, you could record into the same um, project huh. in real time, okay. and so we're able to kind of listen back and collaborate um, and add some MIDI instruments um, and give a more finished project. But Jeanette will add a lot of background vocals. I'll program some drums and some keyboard synths and stuff and, and layer guitars on it. So that's been really nice. But in past years, for a long time, I was working with Paula Garcia, who's an amazing violinist in town who does a lot of new music. Um, okay. Longleash, I think is the name of her group. 
So we used to go into Sienna House and I would have guitar and sing and she would play violin. So at least two people. At l yes, usually two people. And yeah. then every so often we send in our favorite lullabies or things that we felt were really, yeah. you know, connected to us for one reason or another. And we go into the studio and do a more fleshed out production. Okay. So James Shipp, who's a great uh, percussionist and one of the lullaby uh, teaching artists, um, does kind of runs the produces the sessions to an extent and uh, we go into a studio we've done different studios and so then a lot of us bring you know i bring in my trombone a multi-track uh okay. like la you know salsa trombone licks and stuff right that's i love that stuff because i'm jumping back and forth with a guitar voice trombone laying down lines you know right. um right. acoustic the teaching artists play a lot of different instruments so right. when you put us together it's pretty cool and you could you could catch a lot of that stuff. And I wasn't even yeah. thinking when I asked the question about you still doing this now. Yeah. And having and doing these sessions uh, online. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm kind of perking up because what was the name of the app? Just not to be like oh, a sure, commercial sure. for the it's app. But... Soundtrap. Soundtrap. Yeah, we've been everybody on uh, Lullaby, and you don't need to do it, but right. it's been something that's been nice in real time. Right. We could right. share files, and we could, we could show the um, participant and say, oh, you huh. like that? Okay, we're gonna add the vocals now. Okay. And then I'll talk to her while Jeanette's adding vocals, you know, the participant well, while Jeanette's what a, adding what vocals. A, what a cool way to make a living. Yeah, I mean, too. It's, I it's, gotta say, that's a really great yeah. job that, if you, you know, uh, that combines creativity with sort of this satisfying social connection and purpose and doing some good, I just, I've never heard of it, and it sounds fantastic. And you're meeting so many other collaborators yeah. too, who are working in the business as well. And you're, I'm sure, they, I'm sure, once or twice they've given you an email or a phone call saying, "So you happen to be free in March on this day <laughs> to help play this gig we have?" Or... Yeah, it's an amazing, um, very eclectic group of musicians, you know, and it's it's really cool. Exactly. I mean, it's a really cool community. Great players, all different kinds of uh, strengths and and uh, concentrations and stuff, but. Uh, it's enjoyable and, and it came, like I kind of described, it sort of came almost out of nowhere. You know, mm -hmm. it was this random converging of things and I'm so glad it's lasted. So quickly, if you don't mind, back to the songs that you mm -hmm. played. Please. Um, you said that um, some of like, well, okay. Bracket that, pardon me. I wanna, I wanna go back to what you said about legit head. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I think that's very interesting. Um, I think a lot of people who have grown up in classical music, and not only classical, but I would say certain more traditional straight ahead jazz worlds too, um, are occupy this space where they toggle between the two and they would like to find a way to synthesize it somehow. Mm -hmm. Are there, could, could you think of some uh, composers or perform artists who, um, represent to you a successful synthesis of that type of in between the legit and mm -hmm. the part that those influences that you kind of keep over yeah. here somewhere but yeah. want to find a way to bring it in yeah let okay. me think about that i mean i feel like that's an emerging part of you know what we call quote unquote new music yes where where you know the idea that um there's like high art and low art. Maybe that's not the right way to think about things. All music is incredible when it's when it's done with care, you know. Right, and right, right. Um, and so I mean, just thinking about I, I play with this chamber orchestra called Contemporaneous, mm 
Okay. And it's a 19-piece group, and there are people within that group that are doing a lot of cool things. Um, there's um, a group called Teague, and two of the members of our group play in this awesome percussion trio that's really just rocking out and playing things that are sort of like noise rock, and then they're adding other elements of percussion, and I don't want to speak for them, but like... I'm hearing like some Afrobeat kind of stuff, um, right. but that's Teague and that's with like Amy Garapik and Matt Evans. Oh. Um, I think a lot of people, um, Pat Donner, or sorry, not, that's a different Pat. Um, Pat Savoda um, okay. plays a lot of, he's the bassist in Contemporaneous um, and uh, he has a band called Beethoven and I think they do a lot of that stuff. Nice. Music yeah. group. Is there um, any reason for the 19... Uh... Oh, is that significant to the you? ensemble number for the contemporaneous or just have... I don't think so, but I'm not totally just sure. Curious. Yeah. I'm not totally sure the the um, the founders, David Bloom and Dilly Maddenly might have something to say about it. I, I don't know. I think it's, but you yeah. seem very active and interested in improvis improvisational music mm -hmm. that finds a space for those with a classical background. Um, mm -hmm. as well as jazz like I've, for, I've that's something that i've seen really flower over the past 15 mm. 20 years yeah in new york mm -hmm. is a proliferation of new music ensembles yeah that allow classical people to finally let their hair down so speak, <laughs> you know what i mean and just yeah. play and improvise without feeling like they've had to go through the this quote unquote normal jazz type of regimen of learning mm. the jazz scales and the jazz language like okay mm. there's there's you know if you've been playing stravinsky and bartok all your life right you can also find places with like-minded musicians yeah to just play yeah just, like, you know and that's been very i don't know i i've, I've seen a growth in that that's a, i i totally agree with you um <laughs> And uh, I think it's about the language, you know, uh, everybody has their own language. And if you're able to like codify that into improvising, I'm kind of in between that because I did take jazz courses at NEC right. and I've always tried and it's kind of, I'm just always practicing both actually. I'm nice. always practicing patterns. I'm always practicing just jazz standards, just to, just as part of my routine. And I'm thinking of them as technique as well. So I'm working on them with my classical horn. I'm working, I'm going through etudes and trying to like just synthesize it all together. So it's a big project, but. Um, is that still contemporary improvisation pro? Is that what it's called? At NEC, at New England Conservatory? Yeah. Yes. Used to be is. third stream. Yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, Rand Blake. Web. Oh that man. That, yeah. And it's, it's funny you say that. One of the lyrics, <laughs> I love that you brought that up from Three Drinks Later. Um, there's a review of Rand Blake's, um, a concert of his and it was uh something about the slightly disturbing dream of american music was oh. in the review and i put that in my song <laughs> so that's Rand blake's right. review <laughs> that's cool i love that you brought him up he was amazing i used to go to his apartment in brookline and watch film noir movies this amazing jazz pianist who's really into film noir and yes. orchestrating on the piano he would like make <laughs> me and my girlfriend at the time. He would make us watch like these make us. I mean, it was cool. Like, <laughs> it's like film noir music. Clockwork Orange. They made yeah, you watch yeah. He's movies. a character, you know. Uh, oh, just, he... Yeah, cool, cool dude. That's though. so yeah. great that you got to have that experience. Yeah, yeah, it's creative guy. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your experience now. Okay. Um, you've you've <clears throat> been able to transcend uh, by keeping yourself employed and working with ensembles virtually. But uh, how has this pandemic allowed you to branch out in other directions as a composer? Mm. 
I think a lot of quiet time um, because like the kids, the little kids are all home and it's been a, a lot of time at my, the quiet time in my house is at night. And um, I started getting into writing electronic music basically as this was all going down. Um, and the, um, one of the tracks that you're going to hear or that you heard um, was, uh, was written right at the end there um, where everything is just kind of unfolding. We don't know what's happening. Um, but since then, I've written a lot of electronic music and, and it's that quiet moment with headphones that I have more time because I'm not at the gig. I'm not playing yeah. late into the night, like Latin gigs until 1.30 in the morning. I mean, I love, I miss that stuff so much, you know? Um, yeah. Shows until 11, taking the train back, you know, uh, totally exhausted. But now my brain lights up a little bit. And so I play softly on the acoustic or I play electronic music. And so it's been in that way, it's, it's actually been oddly cr a creative time for me. That's very cool. Like, kind of like, I'm wondering now, this is like a, little bit of a theory here i'm just wondering if this lockdown period has just caused people inadvertently to get into electronic music especially in new york because i can relate to i can't play my piano it's too late mm. the kid's home yeah i'm going to interrupt his nap time so i put my headphones on i think i've just i i think myself i've kind of like checked out a few more plugins and just oh cool myself yeah. you know and kind yeah, of dabbled more in logic but by necessity <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think a lot of, I totally agree with that. I think a lot of people, I've seen other people, like another trombonist wrote, hey, I just finished my electronic album. And I wrote like, on Facebook, I was like, me too. <laughs> Trombonist unite. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> going, going electronic. Yeah. Well, in lieu of Daniel uh, hiring a moving van to bring his entire workstation uh, here today, um, he was kind enough to give our technical director, Ken Coughlin, a couple of new electronic music compositions to share with our on-air audience so nice. uh what are we gonna hear daniel okay so remind i think um blue and gray is the first track okay so um this is uh something i wrote actually in the in western massachusetts in the mountains and uh there's just a lot of blues and grays there it's very dark and very cold that's where i'm from time. by the way sorry awesome oh cool I'm western yeah and i was gonna say and incredibly beautiful um so there's that and then uh we're in it now um uh, I'll just let the music play, for, you know, speak for itself. Sounds right. good. Ken, uh, if you would, let's listen to two new electronic compositions by Daniel Linden.
Wow. Was that you singing? Yes, it was. Yeah. Very nice. What what other um, besides vocals? What were were there any other um, um, like live mic'd elements, or was that it? Just completely electronic. Yeah. So all the beats were programmed. Totally. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I mean manually programmed. Yeah. Exactly. Sheesh. That must have been maybe the most painstaking process for. Uh, hmm. I, I should ask you. I'm just wondering, as as someone who didn't doesn't have a background much in program programming rhythm. Mm -hmm. Um, tr tracks just uh, getting up to speed on a beat sequencer for me has been the biggest like barrier to entry yeah, part yeah, to, yeah. to doing just logic stuff and anything that's totally. like MIDI the, the, the rhythm mm -hmm. side has been the for some people it's the easiest thing yeah you know, I think but... just for me I've been staying away from the sequencing um, and just doing manually like drum machine drum oh, right? and okay. stuff nice. and then uh just locking in with other things yeah i really enjoy doing something and doing way too much of it and then taking things out <laughs> bit by bit okay right, right, right. so more and more i've been doing that especially with the first track that you heard um, right. there's a lot more drums in it and actually a lot more things and i was like man that hi-hats it's just too much it, i need to leave some space there um, super cinematic so, though thank you very yeah, much yeah i think as a very like i could definitely yeah, incredibly tonal too. Like you said, I mean, there was it's it's it had so much space in it, um, yeah. yes. uh, and it really it. We granted we have the benefit of hearing where you came from when you were when you had it in mind. Mm -hmm. But even without that, there was so much space within the music itself, mm -hmm. uh, despite the layering. <laughs> um, and like you said, you. You, you can move things in and around, but but the the key is it doesn't sound like it's layering it's mm. it sounds like you're it's a it's a it's a it is a soundscape in many ways and the percussion i think um moves that, that percussion i thought really moved the song along yeah. as far as as far as had a square as, as, as far square as a song. pusher do you know square pusher sure, totally yeah, yeah i love it sort of vibe to me yeah. thank you yeah, yeah i love that stuff exactly. yeah and then the second second piece i thought um <clears throat> wow i mean just uh great it, it had so many different moods to it uh the, the, i thought that when the drums do come in they're, they're quite aggressive i feel yeah and a, and a, and a great but but that not overpowering it's very you know it's it's got a lot of oomph and angst in it and and then the you know your vocals are so soothing at the same they're, they're, <laughs> it's, it's kind of and the uh um back and forth it's a this whole kind of other melodic element coming in like an echo over your shoulder it's mm. a very interesting um texture uh, bringing into it uh, so you have I feel like a kind of diverse styles going against each other I like that yeah I appreciate that um, thank you for the kind words first of all yeah. and yeah I mean literally you know from a uh, just harmony wise it's very simple but there is that kind of collision of, of just minor um, a little bit of a minor yeah. triadic pattern and mm -hmm. then yeah. switching between that and a major and then I love music that clashes against itself in a pleasing way that is like dissonance and consonance um so that if there's something where there's a a repeated almost a white noise thing happening and then there's like a really consonant moving bass line below it mm -hmm. it gives that like kind of repeating maybe dissonant thing a different sound as the bass line moves this the thing that's the same and almost like uh textural yeah becomes like a chord and then a different chord and then a different chord. So I love that. And then I love the aggressive. I, 
I mean, another thing that, you know, like Aphex Twin, some of the ambient stuff. I almost said Aphex Twin or Orbital, maybe even. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, exactly. I mean, these aggressive beats that um, really drive a song and almost emphasize the beauty of, like, the keyboard part or something like that, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it makes it, um, I don't know, it, like, makes it shine or something. Yeah, and also, too, uh, particularly in your second piece, I thought um, uh, the, thing that, the things that were constant had a different, they had a different color. Coming back from the the, the different uh, the, the different progressives of the aggressive drum programming, I thought mm. that was really interesting how they would have different colors coming back from those different. I'll say arpeggiated drums. I'll say is that is that even possible to say that? That's interesting. I like. The I, way I don't even know if that's that. even possible. I just no, no. It's well, it's very possible to say it. <laughs> <laughs> but I agree. I love the way you say that though, because um, I mean the the timbres that you play with, you know, I mean, the, the drums still have these timbres, you know, and they're still kind of, it almost feels like an arpeggiation. I like, I like the way you describe that. Well, thanks. Um, well, we could listen to your music all day. Uh, yeah, what, what, yeah, an yeah, what, yeah. what an incredible yeah. multi-instrumentalist. Uh, I mean, without giving any of the chefs, you know, <laughs> deepest secrets away, um, giving them away. Uh, um, <laughs> can you give our listeners maybe a couple, um, I don't want to get into gear and software mm. too much, but can you like maybe let the listeners know um, some some of the what what platform you work on? Maybe some samples you use, like yeah, sure. Some, yeah, um, I mean, I'm basically just using um, uh, Logic Pro, mm -hmm. um, and I'm using stock sounds, and and I've I've picked up some different. I don't know. I I mean, I'm going back and forth between um, pre-programmed like uh, like hip hop drums and like uh, house drums. I mean, really basic stuff right. because at least for now. I find that people get wrapped up in sound and I, I love, I mean, I love timbre and texture and everything, but I feel like limitations are good too. So right now for this time, I'm just using stock sounds. I would say most people do not plumb the possibilities enough mm. of what you can get out of Logic's own sounds mm. and the various filters that you can, you know, you can spend hours on that. So and much. A lot of people are a little quick to look for third party um, you know, sometimes they are better sounds, but there's a right. lot as someone who uses wow. logic. I, I, I like I'm with you. I'm, I'm totally pro fiddling as much as possible with the stock sounds. Well, Just, speaking of more sounds, where can <clears throat> listeners go find more of your sounds? Thank you. Yeah. So um, uh, DanielLindenMusic.com is my website Very and um, my uh, my project, my electronic and also some acoustic stuff um, is under Husik on uh, SoundCloud and also on Bandcamp. Husik is S-O-O, -O, or sorry, <laughs> I'm going to respell that, H-O-O-S-A-C, Husik. Um, that's the SoundCloud page and also Bandcamp. Sounds like it should be on like a spelling bee challenge as well. <laughs> Husik, that's They're a tough different one. spellings, actually. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> well, listeners, you can find those links up at Inwood Artworks on your website. Uh, thank you so much, Daniel, yeah, for joining us today. On Thank, live and local. Much, man. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I really appreciate you having me on. Sure yeah. thing. Uh, well, this is Inwood Artworks On Air, where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home here in Upper Manhattan. If you have a moment, please show us some love right now by rating and reviewing this podcast on Apple Podcasts. That really does help. Uh, thank you so much to 809 and our friends here for hosting us, and also to Heightsites.com for local promotional uptown support. 
Be sure to follow us on social media at Inwood Artworks to keep up with all that we do, and that includes the Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks El Fresco, pop-up art galleries, live performances, and so much more. You can support On Air, by the way, and all of our free programming by making a tax-free donation to us, as we're a not-for-profit organization, at inwoodartworks.nyc backslash donate. Inwood Artworks On Air is made possible with funding from the NYCN Company Foundation, with support from Manhattan Borough President Gail Brewer, and the Niska Electronic Media and Film Grant Program in partnership with Wave Farm Media Arts Assistance Fund and the support of Governor Andrew Cuomo and the New York State Legislature. From the top of Manhattan, the bottom of our hearts, thank you for tuning in. This is Aaron Sims. I'm Jonathan Bell. For Inwood Artworks On Air.